That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Media presents the Yelling in My Ear podcast. Documentary filmmaker Dan Napoli and ad agency creative director John Battistini revisit movies, music, TV shows, and pop culture events from the 80s and 90s they experienced as kids. Some of it was great. Some of it was terrible. But all of it will be fun as these longtime friends talk about what influenced them growing up. Welcome to the Yelling in My Ear podcast. Welcome, everybody. This is Yelling in My Ear I am Dan Napoli. And I am John Battistini. And we are also joined by our awesome producer, Sasha. Hello, I am here. Yes. <laughs> um, I was born in joined. 19- jo- yes, yes. Um, I was born in the 70s, grew up in the 80s and 90s. I am a film director by trait. I am the head of creative and post-production for Herd App Films. I was also born in the 70s, just a tad bit earlier than Dan. Grew up in the 80s and 90s. I'm a creative director, and I work for Edelman uh, in their creative department making digital stuff. So the whole reason that we're telling you all of that stuff is that ties to our show. Yelling in my ear, we are going to look back at the things that um, influenced us growing up from the quote-unquote dreaded Generation X, um, (laughs) I roll, um, but really fun. Uh, we want to have a lot of fun on this podcast. Uh, John and I go back several years and, and we just, we've talked about doing this forever. We thought it would be really, really fun to look at movies, music, pop culture events from the eighties and nineties, um, and how they influenced us as creatives. Um, we have a gambit of, of fun stuff. Um, <laughs> hopefully things that are familiar, hopefully things that people are like, what the hell was cop rock because we're definitely doing a cop rock episode absolutely 100 percent um so we'll we'll jump right in i think the first thing that we're going to do is the the first episode is a piece of of art if you want to call it that that's the first thing that we ever bonded over john this is Uh, true this is true this is what brought us together as you know what eventually became you know people that collaborated on projects and worked together but this what it it was we bonded over this over paintball i believe and uh, yeah um which which was kevin smith and his 1994 film clerks yes um so john i'm curious for you uh because you're actually in you're you're in new york city now Mm -hmm. um just like you were at that time uh i'm in omaha now what how how did you come across clerks at that time in new york i'm I'm interested definitely saw it in the theater and i am 99 percent positive that i saw an ad for it either in the back of a comic book or or something along those lines but i i knew about it that way I wanted to see it and I convinced my now wife, then girlfriend, that we should go there on our first date. And so obviously not a great date movie, um, but I must have done something right because she's still here, uh, maybe much to her chagrin. But yeah, I want to say we discovered it was obviously I picked the movie. So I don't know what I was thinking, um, but yeah. 
That was, I want to say the back of a comic book. That's awesome. Dude, I've known, I mean, I've known Jane a a really long time as well. And she's a super cool artistic person, but yeah, maybe not, you know, um, way more dick and fart jokes than you want um, in a first date movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'll give, I'll give, you know, listeners the lay of the land a little bit. If you're not familiar, um, Clerks, came out in 1994 it's it's kind of the um first breakthrough or the bigger breakthrough in the kind of like indie american cinema movement of of the 90s there's kind of like three directors that you talk about a lot Mm -hmm. um richard linkletter yep who was who was first was slacker Mm -hmm. kevin smith really broke through and robert rodriguez Mm -hmm. um you know clerks came out in 1994 um and it was done for a whopping budget of $27,000. Mostly on credit cards, um, right? Didn't he like finance it on credit cards? Kevin very famously, um, which there's tons of stuff that you can pull up on this, um, took out, sold a bunch of comic book stuff, mm-hmm. uh, took out like 10 $2,000 credit cards and financed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so context is, is king. Uh, I always believe in that when you talk about anything, it's going to be a reoccurring theme on this show. Um, next episode, I promise we'll have Sasha with some sound effects. So like every time I see it or I say it, probably we can do, I want like the Mario, like, like the one up, you know, I'm going to be a drinking game. Every time you say context. Oh dude, we can do that. That'd be fun. Okay. Um, everything. So context is important to everything and, and you have That's to true. understand what, <laughs> what the landscape looks like in the early mid nineties. And mm-hmm. you just, there, not everybody had a camera. There and, is no internet. There is, and you didn't just make films like, like, dude, I grew up in the suburbs of Denver and like, I don't know, like people in Hollywood, I don't know. They hatch them. Like what the fuck? Like, you know, that's not a job. Not only that, Dan, it was still film. So it wasn't (laughs) ubiquitous yet. There was, there was like a cost. There was a a process. You didn't just go shoot it with your buddies and then look at it. You had to wait. There was like stuff that had to get done. The immediacy that we have now didn't exist. Yeah. You, you just started seeing more like, like the camcorder movement was coming around, mm-hmm. um, but people didn't know what to do with it really. No. Once it was like sort of like recorded, you know, and you'll see um, what's a very good example of this. I don't want to start this tangent too much, but it's funny. I think I was texting and I watched it last night. But um, and I'm always butcher her her first name, but Soline Moonfry. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Former, mm-hmm. she's got a doc on Netflix right now yeah. called Kid Ninety. That is, mm-hmm. or on Hulu, pardon me. That is, oh, that is that is awesome, and is found footage of like she filmed mm-hmm. everything. Like if you're our age, there there you seem like there always was that one guy or gal, somebody who always filmed stuff. Well, she yeah. saved everything. Oh, that's and amazing. Then now twenty years later, like on uh, yeah. you know. Um, unboxed it and, and, and cut it into this. Well, dog. I, I was that guy in college with a still camera. Okay. So, you know, it's funny, a little tangent, and then we'll get back to it. Like, I don't know, three years ago, somebody of mine, buddies of mine, and you know, from college, we all got together in the city one night and I had all these pictures because I was the film guy. I worked for the school newspaper as a photo editor. Right. So like we got together and I brought piles of photos. I'm like, Oh my God. Cause we don't have thousands of photos documenting growing up, you know, in the eighties and nineties. Cause there was, a, it's the guy like me or the film guy, the yeah. camcorder guy that had the stuff. But I think that kind of inspired me to having been that guy with the still camera, then like seeing Kevin and being like, wait, 
you can make a movie like ha, ha, wait a minute that was that to me was really inspiring dude ab- absolutely and i think so i found um where we're two years apart three years apart maybe something like that yeah um so i was in college when i found it mm-hmm. um yeah i was just I, out i okay i found it through i found it through the soundtrack mm, okay. um i was working at a record store mm-hmm. um and it was um and and clerks actually you know so just to wrap up its little bio um i mean it's in the smithsonian um it went on to win like you know um the biggest prize at the Cannes film festival mm-hmm. that year and ended up doing like three mil 3.1 million dollars at the box office and how much was it to make again um yeah, yeah 20 27 000. so that's a pretty um, good return on investment yeah so it did yeah. all right um but it's not just it's not just those figures or that it was no. done but it's what it was it meant about. something yeah it's it, that starts to um pull some things that like, mm-hmm. like apart for me because I had never seen. So look, we mentioned earlier, right? Like slacker came out first, um, uh, which and inspired Kevin. I think, I think mm-hmm. link letters, I think slackers 91, maybe mm-hmm. 92. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, it, it's, it's awesome in its own right. But I remember when I eventually, and I found slacker second, but when I saw it, I was like, Oh, Sure. If you go to film school, you know, Linkletter famously went to UT. Like, I bet this is the kind of stuff that you make. Yeah, it, I, it, it, that's exactly right. It felt like, oh, sure. Of course. Of course, yeah, that guy, that's the is, movie a guy from film school made. Okay, that's Kevin's, what you do. Kevin's movie felt like the movie you made with your buddies, but it was in a theater. It it felt it was like crazy. Um, to, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it was bad. I, I don't mean like you made it no, with your, no. like it felt like it felt doable. It felt, it put this, I think it actually has inspired like almost everything in my creative career. Like it made DIY accessible and like making a movie DIY. Like, are you kidding me? How could you do that? I think for me, it. it's, it's beyond that though, because you could make a horror film DIY. You could sure. make a low space. I, I think, and, and when I really reflect on how it ties to me and what I'm doing now, and, and even the reference to that, to um, Celine Moonfry's piece, Kid, Kid 90, it was a doc without being a doc. Mm. And that was, I think the like, it was kind of a, we'll decide if Sasha wants to beep this later. This is a holy shit moment of like, dude, I'm watching like my friends, like, you know, not that it's terribly compelling to the greater world, but if you're a suburban, you know, white kid, that's like meh, from wherever, from nowhere town, anywhere, you're like, oh my God, this is people hanging out at yes. a convenience store and working crappy retail jobs. It just was like, yeah, check, no, no. check, like, <laughs> right. Like, yeah, that, that's a big part of the resonance. You didn't put that kind of stuff on screen at the yeah. time. And I think that was a huge, a huge deal. I worked in a card store. We weren't even a fancy Hallmark store. It was a Carlton cards. And we had, you know, I would open the store up and people would come in and, and it was like that, that, that retail, he really captured the oddities and what those retail environments are, are, are like, and they're strange. And it was really that weird and, and doing that every day. And it felt that way. It was pretty amazing. And, you know, the things he talked about, it just, it resonated in a big way for a comic book kid in the eighties and nineties. So one of the things I want to do through this show is um, I think we've, I think we've got four clips. I want, I want to pull mm. a handful of clips. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Sasha's nice enough. She's going to queue them, queue them up for us and, and just kind of talk about them a, a little bit in 
Um, I think we, I think we split them, right? I think I pulled two and you pulled two or something. I think like so. That. Yeah. Something like that. Um, so I want to cue the first, the first thing I want to cue up is, um, and, and Kevin's, Kevin's interesting. Um, I always like his, his female leads a lot. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I want to first, uh, a scene, if we can cue it up, Sasha, that I want to, to watch John and talk a little bit about it is where, um, Dante's girlfriend enters Mm -hmm. so again the main premise for anybody in the audience that doesn't know what this was two best buddies they work at a convenience store um one of the guys is not supposed to go to work somebody calls in sick he goes and fills the shift day in the retail life ensues one of which is his his girlfriend coming to 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 visit him so so, sasha if we can if we can cue that up and and Mm -hmm. i want to see what you think of this scene john Okay. Oh, there she is walking in. Yeah. With oh, that's fire right. Extinguisher, dude. Right. So yeah. you... and they're throwing the cigarettes at him. Cancer merchant. Cancer merchant. So one of the things too, I I love her uh, line. The fire I, extinguisher. I love her line as she wraps that that piece because mm-hmm. what, that scene when she says, I, I think I literally that's the first time I ever heard this word and looked it up. She's like, "You're a bunch of automatons. Why don't you go to work and go commute?" And I'm like, I'm like, oh, what what's automaton? And I'm like looking that up. <laughs> um, the, the thing I thought about the scene that was so uh, what, what's happening in, in the scene is um, convenience store morning shift, right? It's probably what all coffee and cigarettes. Oh yeah, and totally. There's newspapers a guy. And cigarettes is all I sold the morning. And cigarettes, yes, pre-internet. Yeah. Um, there's a dude camping out, and he's turning. He buys his coffee, and he's turning all of the cigarette buyers. Again, this is early '90s. There's still lots of cigarette smoking, um, and he's turning all the customers against the establishment and against mm-hmm. her character Dante and attempting um, and telling it, he's like, just, I know you got, you know, it's a nervous habit, like buy gum, buy gum. And it turns out the guy is like a Chulis gum salesman. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and you would get weird people like that coming in, trying to hawk their stuff. Like seriously? in the store. No, you would. I At the card store, that would happen to dude, you. Dude, I had one guy, this was really weird and it was really all oddly uncomfortable. And he came in and what he was trying to do was get me to sell like car washing supplies like when i went back to college and i'm like nobody has cars at college we're broke it was but you'd get other ones that came in i remember one time two guys came in in no jackets but ties and shirts and like slacks with badges and they're like um atf and i was like atf what is that fucking terrorist stuff no it's alcohol tobacco and firearms but i didn't know and i was like oh my god like guns on their hip and they're like we got to come in the back and they come around the back because like in clerks you have the counter and then you've got this big thing overhead and all the cigarettes are in slots overhead and you pull it out you grab the pack and you and you could sell it and they were checking like the licensing tax stamps but it was this whole weird thing that i'm just like uh, sure. Okay. Dude with a badge. Wow. Like now I'd probably be like, where's your warrant? And I'd probably get arrested and pepper sprayed. But, but you know, it was, you would get odd ducks coming. People trying to like get you to take stuffed animals on commission to like, it was really weird, man. I didn't yeah. know that we'd have as much like, cause we could always defer like, oh, it's like our owner's not in there, but, but we would have. Um, so, so I worked at a record store and, and again, I think, one of the, the takeaways in, I guess I'll step back a second and I'll ask you, 
how often do you revisit this film, John? I had not rewatched it in a while. Um, it had been a good, I would say, dozen years since I'd probably seen it. I remember, like, saw it in theater. Definitely when the DVD came out, bought it and watched it, and especially bought the DVD, which I still have somewhere around here, um, for the commentary. You know, back before there were podcasts, I would make sure I bought every one of the DVDs yeah. of movies I liked because I wanted to hear the commentary and hear what the director had to say and people had to say. So that was a big onus. So I would do that. And then I'd probably watch it occasionally, like on cable or something. And then I rewatched it recently because, you know, we were, it was the 25th anniversary. And then we started right. talking about this thing. Yeah. yeah, that's right, dude. That's which is very much how how it spurned um, mm -hmm. this, this process. Our our first two episodes, folks, but we promise they're not all dedicated to Kevin Smith. No, no, no. <laughs> but our our mall rats and clerks, because both of those films just uh, recently um, um, experienced anniversaries. Yeah. Um, and so that's what that's right. That's mm -hmm. what kind of prompted this. Yeah. yeah, it's probably like five. I mean, maybe probably longer than that. Maybe. Yeah, maybe 10 years since I had revisited mm -hmm. this. Um, it's like what? How did it hold up? Like, what did you think now, now that you make documentary films professionally? <laughs> so I, I the going off what you said and again, mm -hmm. I guess us kind of like reflecting ourselves. Mm -hmm. One of the things I used to love with DVDs is mm -hmm. the behind the scenes documentary yep. stuff. And so there's a good, there's a one with a great story. I think it's called Snowball's Chance. This is about how they made this, mm -hmm. which is amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah, like yeah. the production wise, I'm like, dude, oh, mm. boy, that interviews, that focal length. Okay, we wanted to do that. All right. Uh, but no, this, the story of it is, is amazing. I mean, mm -hmm. it like, um, I can definitely see how, how it resonated with me. It, it held up it held up in documenting that time. Um, now the thing that doesn't hold up, I mean, that's pretty embarrassing. And I'm sure, I mean, and Kevin's made no bones about this. Wow. I mean, it's very, it's very, un unfortunately, again, toxic masculinity. Almost, almost documentary in, in, in the way that it was very re reflective of the way of the yep. language. The, yep. see, a yep. lot of we would never say that, that now. It's yeah. like, that's sort of embarrassing. Incredibly, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I know Kevin, you know, regrets. But again, in a in a weird way, it was it was not inaccurate, which is you know a yeah. larger comment on a larger item that's in a doesn't make podcast. it okay. But I get it. Yeah. No, no. But um, in terms of in terms of being a snapshot of being in the '90s and being unsure, maybe of what was coming next for you mm -hmm. at a certain age. Um, and how, you know, your, your daily was, mm -hmm. it, it holds up pretty, pretty well because I think it does. Yeah. I, like one of the scenes that always holds up. And again, this is a context scene, but, um, somebody is the, like somebody take take a shot yeah. is the death star scene. Oh gosh, totally. So I want Sasha, if you could cue this up. So, so that we're, we could look at this when we're talking yeah. about it. And the, I mean, we, so, I remember having conversations like this with friends. I mean, this is like where, you know, he knew there's his audience. No, there's think, think about this. Okay. If you're listening to this and you're under 30, mm -hmm. I want you to think about you're at your McJob. Um, this isn't even proper to call it a McJob. You're at your convenience store job and you're, you're, your phone's broken mm -hmm. and there's no computer. That's what being stuck in retail 
in the 90s was. There mm-hmm. is no, so you've got this downtime, right? I'm, I'm, working, I'm working at a record store in a tiny college town in Nebraska on a Wednesday night in like, I don't know, no, the second week of November. There is no big record. Nobody's coming in and you've got a shift to kill. <laughs> Um, yes. so for us, a shift to kill, exactly. a shift to kill. I, that's, yep. that, that's life at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's no Instagram. I can't TikTok. I, you know, I can't make yeah. TikToks. There's nothing to do, but there was a, uh, there's like a JC penny. And then there is a, a pizza by the slice, mm-hmm. um, across the way from us. And you would make friends with these and yes. people would come. I knew all have, the people that worked in the stores, right. in the strip mall in the and, morning shift. Like, so we're, we're watching this. Scene. I mean, they're, they're, well, you got to make change. You right. would lock the door. You'd go be like, can anybody break a 20? And you go to all the other stores. So right now, Randall, you got, you got Randall and Dante. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this is what you would do. It's suppose yeah. like nonsensical, like the, the political um, philosophy behind <laughs> if you're a, if you're a carpenter, should you take, if you're a carpenter and you took a job working on the Death Star and you died when they blew it up, like, you know, I mean, should they be liable for that? Which yeah. to their credit, how much did that come back in one of the new, um, I know. In the, I know. it was in the Mandalorian. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I mean... uh, Randall, Randall's line, those poor, do you think, what's, do you think they know, do you think a store, of course there's subcontractors. The quote is, of course there's subcontractors. Do you think a stormtrooper knows anything about swinging a hammer? All they yeah. know is killing and white helmets. That's right. That's right. Uh, but this is the kind of stuff that you would do. Absolutely. In those settings. Now you would think that and you would post it on Instagram and people would like it and talk about it. Instead, we found another person to talk about it. We had yeah. these kinds of crazy conversations. I remember this scene and, and to, it, just, it resonated. It's like, to put oh that, my God. To put that on film. I mean, so yeah. that's, that's the other thing too. Obviously- you know, obviously the, the teen-centered, uh, um, young person-centered comedy in a million, you know, from from American Graffiti mm-hmm. to, um, you know, the the TNA Porky's stuff of the mm-hmm. 80s, like that's always been um, been there. And even, dude, even, even Linklater's second flick, Days and Confused, mm-hmm. which I yeah. loved, but that's what you got delivered was, um, you know, in Days of Confused is very autobiographical, but it's, it's, it's crafted and mm-hmm. it's actors delivering lines in an authentic way, but it's still, it's still right. actors. The thing with Clerks was, it just seemed unfathomable an- to me. Right. Well, even like, talking about the Death Star, this is not the world of like nine. They were not nineteen Marvel movies. Comics were not mainstream. Right. You know, there was only three Star Wars movies, and they were popular, sure, but not what we have now. But you know? in a but and not, for him to talk about that and put it in a movie was crazy. And and they weren't they weren't popular in an omnipresent way. No, 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 no. They you were popular in the way- Target and, and buy action figures. They were popular know? in the way that like my dad would be like, oh, you like you like the movie. Yeah, that's Luke Skywalker from the Star Trek. Like yeah. they don't know that it's, yeah. if you're our age, but it's still in this little pocket. Mm-hmm, so it was mm-hmm. just weird starting to see um, again, an almost documentary like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of, of stuff on, on, on the screen. Like that was, that was really cool. Um, well, let's talk for a second about that. It being documentary, like, cause that was one of the okay. things that I like, you know, rewatching this movie, it, it, you know, Kevin gets a lot of crap for, especially in this movie. And we'll talk about it more in mall rats where he breaks out of it a little bit, but like the camera doesn't move and I get it. You're in the convenience store. You're shooting a thing. Everything's a two shot. You're doing this, but 
there's also something interesting about it because I don't know about you, but I watch a lot of TV still and everything I watch, I just was watching something. There was a CW show the other day and there's like four actors and they're all in the scene. I know where you're going uh, the, the thing is so close. Like I wouldn't have even known they were on set all the same day because nobody's ever in the shot with anyone else. No one is. And they're all just standing around. So they get into a room Let's solve this crime. Let's all just stand. At least in like clerks, at times they're sitting. Sometimes they're sitting. Sometimes they're together in an interesting thing. They're not like, we walk into a room, we all stand here and we solve the problem. And then I'm on camera. And then I'm on camera. And then I'm on camera. And it's like, are you guys even talking to one another? Or are you just deliver like there Sometimes was- Sometimes no. Right. Well, that's, and it shows, but also it's like, but they always like, I always look and I'm like, are there no chairs in the world of these shows? Does everyone just stand up as soon as they get into a room? So you're, you're talking about that classic, I mean, and it's interesting, we just did a project like this, but, but I mean, that's the way that this, you're trained to shoot. That's sort of right. classic. You're probably shooting at like 50, yeah, maybe 85, I don't know. But So you get you get a profiled mm-hmm. silhouette. Of yeah, 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 you get the little shoulder, I get but it. But it could be it. anybody in red shirt and I'm on the guy and then you're cutting this back and forth clerks um and this is interesting because this is the next thing i want to ask you about mm-hmm. is the just the movement between yeah. dante and randall seemed so authentic in mm-hmm. how if you were going to sidle up and you're like yes i'm going to go talk to my buddy at the pizza shop when nobody's in the record store right now i'll be right back dude and you sidle over there in in this kind of yeah, the way the blocking in the sense of space felt natural like the way yeah. two friends would act because i think they were kind of so um, John, I want to get your, your take, you know, you asked me on how it held up for me overall. Mm-hmm. I want to see how you thought the, the, the two main characters and their dynamic, you know, Randall and Dante, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. um, hold up because again, if people in the audience haven't seen the film, um, you've got this, you know, this dynamic duo, but mm-hmm. that are very different in, their philosophy and and even just kind of their their temperament in you know they're they're both clerking it they're both clerks Mm -hmm. but they couldn't have a bigger dichotomy yeah like the way they were far apart in the way they approached it like i think one of the scenes that kind of sums up dante is i forget where it is in the movie and we don't we don't have to just play it but it's like when he's constantly saying I wasn't even supposed to be here today. It's like, all right, but you came in. But like, you know, there's that scene where he's talking to Veronica and he's talking about how, you know, they jammed gum in the locks, right? So there was gum in the locks. He couldn't get the gate up. So I don't know, again, for those of you that haven't seen it, you know, you've probably seen it because Kevin Smith is all over the internet. So he's like, yes, I assure you we're open. A big, you know, shoe polish sign that he makes. So here's this guy that doesn't want to be there. But he goes and and so he could easily just half-ass it and just go inside unlock but instead he puts up a giant sign that over the gate letting people know they're open because even though he doesn't want to be there he's making more work for himself and he's like i don't want to be here on this but at the same time he's like what's the dude rolling the boulder up the hill sisyphus or whatever his name is you know the greek myth you know it's like that's him he's like i don't want to be here but i I have to since i'm here i'm gonna do my job whereas randall is his friend randall I think he wants to be there, but he wants to be there because he hates the people that come in there. And he, he wants, like, he loves, like, he loves that, like, energy. He, he hates it, but I think he loves to hate it. 
Whereas I don't know, you know what I mean? That's where, and that's why I feel like they're like a yin and yang together. The two of them together kind of are the same whole of like every clerk experience. You have the classic also do. I want to tell. So um, Does that make any sense. No, it made, dude, it made a ton of sense. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. I, I, and I think Sisyphus is right. I was trying to get, I was yeah, like, I think oh, I got that not right. Judas. That's not, yeah, yeah, no, no. I think it was Sisyphus. Um, yeah. Dude, a Randall story, by the way. And and again, to show the authenticity. So there's a great scene. And again, Sasha, you don't have to try to dig this out. But where um, he's reading, Randall's reading the newspaper. Yes. And the cat's on the, the counter. And the clerk walks by, or pardon me, the customer walks by. And he goes, oh, that's a cute cat. What's the cat's name? And he says, annoying customer. Yes. Which so if good. you worked retail, there's a million percent you wanted to say that to somebody. Oh I mean, my God. We we had to do our own passive aggressive, right? So we're at the we're at the record store. Um, and our our owners who were like actually just the super coolest family, uh Wilkie, Cheryl and Lloyd, I still remember they're so nice. Um, very, very in a way akin to like Kevin, you know, always says it was a great, really cool family that owned oh, the yeah. Shop. I was, like, it was a husband and wife that owned the yeah. card store. They were freaking awesome. They were super cool, but yeah. they weren't, I mean, they liked music, but like, whatever, they weren't yeah. a big, so, you know, sometimes they weren't there, but they were like, dude, you can't ever, you can't ever kick somebody out. Right. Yep. Well, and then, so what happens in that, it's like, you know, malls closing, stores closing, people wouldn't leave. And mm-hmm. if we ask them or, you know, they're waiting for somebody at a, you know, they're somebody to get their, their girlfriend to get their nails done or whatever. So we couldn't actively do it. So my buddy and I, we started like finding like, passive aggressive ways so like by what we would play to make them of course of course so uh like mephiscaphalis is like a ska band from new york that has a ridiculous song called the the bumblebee tuna song Mm -hmm. and they sing we would play that yeah that would get me to leave the store yeah we would we would also play like slayer we would Mm -hmm. also play like um uh a band called ac which you could look up what that Mm -hmm. uh stands for um, that was just the, to get people to try to leave. Yeah. See, but, I didn't, I mean, we didn't get people really hanging out because it was, you know, newspapers and cigarettes yeah. in the morning. So we didn't have that problem, but you would get, you would get weird people coming in and just like wanting to talk to you. And I'm just like, I, I don't want to, I'm not your friend, yeah. dude. You bought a daily news. You got to go. So, but dude, what you're saying with Randall and Dante, I think is like is important. And I think it's, I think in a weird way, you know, again, it doesn't get a lot of credit. I think it is, I think it is good storytelling and super, super Mm -hmm. relatable both in that moment and at that age and um, broader. But, but again, I think, especially at that age, I think there are those of us who are comfortable in our, 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 are comfortable. I don't want to say comfortable in our surroundings, mm-hmm. but own where we are at that age or own yeah. where they are. They have no Randall. Randall doesn't really like if he wants to be anywhere else, it's in denial. Yes. He's very in that moment. And Dante is that cl- is representing a character of the classic of us mm-hmm. who, if you are like aspiring to be more, but, um, or I should say maybe like desire to be more, but maybe through fear, maybe through some different, like is, it, you know, it, it he kind of maybe represents what Kevin was wanted to be yeah, and do. I think the, through the burden of, yeah. through the burden of obligation, mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. that be the job, whether that right. be like people from my town, don't go make movies. Right. right um, right. Th- 
you know, they, they kind of have, like represent that and the kind of the back and forth between those two characters, I think, I think that really holds up. And I feel no, I like that's a, too. A kind of some classic. No, I think also Kevin like hinted at that, not even hinted at, it. I mean, there's that one scene that I had picked out. That's like the, the weird Eggman scene, you know, which I liked on a couple of levels because, you know, who is it? Walt Flanagan, I think is the Eggman. Um, yeah. yeah. Another one of Kevin's friends, and he's going through and picking out the eggs and looking at them. And they're like, who's this guy? What's he doing? It's like, was he like, he's a guidance counselor and like he lost his mind for doing stuff. And there was a couple of things that always resonated with the, with me about that scene is that one, it was batshit nuts. And I'm like, what? But I'm like, you know what? Sometimes absurdity works. File that away. Um, as I've busted out other times in my career. But other things was that I think that definitely represented Kevin's like, maybe the people telling him, you can't do that. That's not what you people do. Like you're, you're not going to be, you know, I don't know. I wonder if that was his swipe at the guidance counselors that maybe told him he couldn't make movies. Right. You know? That's, that's, that's not a job, Kevin. That's we're yeah. in, we're in new, we're in new. Yeah. Jersey. Everyone wants to go to Hollywood. Kevin. We're, we're in the middle. Mean? We're in the middle of nowhere. That doesn't. Right. Um, so, but, but dude, that's, I, I want to talk about, I want to talk about that Eggman scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then in a broader sense, um, like like wrap this up from from mm-hmm. the takeaway on you and the the point that we're doing this the show is we want to talk about things and we've worked together on a number of projects yeah. both uh, you know Edelman and Herdat some other places that we've been um because I I feel like you've you've talked about that Eggman scene before mm-hmm. what's your takeaway from the film how did it how did it influence you um to go on and make the work you make you've made over time well, I mean, honestly, the big part of it, I think I touched on earlier was that like, when I say DIY, it was like, you could do a lot with a little, you know, Kevin did a lot with a little, and that's always been, well, I mean, if you ask my mom, I guess, you know, I've been doing a lot with a little my whole life. Um, but no, I mean, like, it was like, you know, there are times when you get like big budget films, but not everything is going to be a $1 million TV commercial. How do you still make something great with what you have and what are ways you can pull that off? And I think, you know, I always looked at clerks and was kind of like, well, Kevin's just a dude from Jersey. I'm just a dude from Long Island. If he could pull it off, maybe I can. Am I doing it on my own credit card? No, but you know, this client doesn't have a big budget. So what can we do? And we, you know, you know, so that has always been something to me that always kind of like, I, I looked at that and I was like, okay, you know, yeah. sure. Dude. Oh, I, I much like quite literally was that dude of which I'm probably still suffering the slings and arrows, but like, I mean, I literally was like, you know, F it. I'm starting my own thing. We're, mm-hmm. we're doing it. Kevin Smith made, um, I mean, my, our very first well, that, video when project. When we met, you had your own like, company doing this stuff. Oh, this is before that. That was, there was oh, another okay. flame before. I mean, dude, oh. we, we did, we did a, a, a action sports video magazine that was very oh, inspired right. and funded yes. in that, that process of like, um, and, and again, yeah, that was, that was huge. I think for me, that's the takeaway. The two, the two, the two big takeaways from clerks were um, there's, there's still story in the apparently mundane. Yes. Yes. There is, there is kind of beauty in the mundane. And I think he, he showcases that. And like, especially like even in the minutia, you know, getting into that and telling that story and, and not even just beauty and story, but like something actually compelling in the mundane, which I think is really interesting. And telling if, if you can, if you can tell a story with characters, people relate to, mm-hmm. that's incredibly, that's incredibly powerful. 
Um, there's, there is almost, I mean, again, it sounds sort of, you know, ridiculous, but there's, there's an entire generation of folks that, um, they connected with characters on screen that hadn't like, cause, cause dude, okay. Like I, again, I want to back this out. Like everybody get your shot glasses. Um, context, context. So, okay. So clerks comes out in 1994. Um, friends comes on TV in 95. Friends oh, is I didn't a, realize that. I didn't yeah, realize it was that close. Okay. Yeah, and Friends is of a, a, a slam dunk out of the gate. Um, yeah. So Friends, um, th- th- there's there's stories, anyways. Like I like I know this personally, but like the rumor is that uh, which would check out at the early. Um, so like it or hate it, one of the things that Friends is is um, a real trailblazer on as well as a, a, a very underrated show on Fox called Living Single, mm, um, mm-hmm. was an ensemble cast of young unmarried people. Yeah. You could not do that. There was originally, a, mm-hmm. again, the, the, the folklore is there originally was a draft of Friends where there was a character called like Steve the Cop, who was a beat cop, who circulated freaking Central Perk and solved- couple with Murray the Cop? Dude, I, I guarantee you it's that mechanic and yeah. solved and solved all the problems for the kids because, because he was the could, dad character because you couldn't leave a bunch of unmarried early 20s like that's not what entertainment like you don't make stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I know now I'm jumping into television. Genre no, and, and I mean, look, like, I'll tell you right now that it's it's that is not what this episode is about. But recently I was traveling um, in the before times and I was in a hotel room and like I, I friends was on like Channel 11 and it was the pilot. And dude, that shit holds up. <laughs> like I watched it, like, no so, wonder yeah. this was a hit. Okay. So I lay that context out. This, this film, uh, this, uh, yeah, hope you're thirsty. Um, <laughs> that all happens a year. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, I, I, sorry. Let me, let me, um, in the production gap, I think. Yeah. So fr- friends actually hit in the fall 94, 95. Mm-hmm. Um, so clerks had hit um festival circuit by that time mm-hmm, but when, when mm-hmm. we're talking about the production length on the back end i just want to correct in case anybody really cares about details, yeah, go ahead but, and blow us up in the comments yeah. it's fine we get it we're gonna make mistakes yeah all right but, fine. um it it just shows that kevin was even that far like ahead of mm-hmm. um you hadn't seen that stuff you did not no. see your friends on or people that talked like like you do in the movies and 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 anything and so you know, for Kevin to do that. Um, and he was being honest. And I think that's the other thing that I take away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he didn't look at it like, Hey, this is an underserved market. Mm-hmm. He was like, I want to do this. And this is important to me. And I have a story to tell. And even if it's not a big, not, not a globally important story, mm-hmm. It matters. It, it and I'm going to tell me. it. I and have I'm a story tell that's it. important to me. And, and you know, the funny thing is, I mean, that's exactly what is going on right now with social media and stories. Like it's all about, yeah. you know, I want to see people like me and this is the story I want to tell. And, you know, it's about telling authentic stories. And I think, yes, it's a movie. It's made up. It's fake, but it was authentic in its own way, you know, and I think that's important. And it's a yeah. precursor to a lot of what's going on now, you know? Yeah. I think that was, I, I think that's some of the, the, the legacy of it, um, it, it, you know, at least, at least for me anyways. Um, so here's the question though, from uh, someone from a different generation than you, myself and you. So Sasha, <laughs> did you watch Clerks? 
Have you seen it? I, I did. And I actually really appreciated it. I mean, I'm like 10 years younger than you guys. I was born in the 80s, but um, I still I still Just really rub that in. With that. Yeah. We still like you. It's OK. Yeah, it's okay. I, I still really connected with that movie, though, because I mean, it was true. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mm-hmm. could didn't matter where like my first job was at the little convenience store up the street from my house. Of course it was yep. like I made people out of tape. because it was so boring and I my favorite part though was working in the movie section because you could have those conversations Mm -hmm. with people about what you were watching or what was popular like I really enjoyed that and I've always connected that way with that film for Mm -hmm. that reason that's cool that's so important you say that though because I think again I think that that's a takeaway from folks Mm -hmm. is to like not self-censor that their experience is not important enough to tell a story about Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, if you're going to talk about takeaways from clerks or whatever, and I, th- I think Kevin had kind of had kind of laid that out. Sasha, I've, I have a question for you. Um, I think also one of the big um, we should is like Randall or Randall or Dante. <laughs> who who do you relate to more? Um, Dante. Okay. Yeah. No, like actually, you know what? Maybe more Randall. <laughs> really? Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. At that, even at even at that age, even at yes. that young age. Okay. Well, I think maybe more now. If I think about it now, okay. <laughs> more Randall. <laughs> yeah, I think there's. I mean, I don't know. There's a like. You want most of us want to be, I, and there's also maybe like a Luke Skywalker Han Solo thing of it's <laughs> like most of us want to be. Randall, but we probably are we're probably more Dante. Yeah, yeah. Dante. That, uh, we all want to be Han Solo, but really we're just Chewy. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. Well, that's going to wrap this up. Um, super fun time around. We hope you guys have enjoyed this. Um, join us. Uh, this is a limited edition uh, monthly podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, uh, we're going to have tons of fun going through 80s and 90s movies, music, TV shows, uh, even pop culture events. We're going to run the gambit. Hopefully things that even if you're our age, you do or don't remember. Um, like we said, was Cop Rock the worst TV show ever? We're going to talk about music from Jawbreaker, No Effects, WrestleMania, MTV stuff, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, but next week, we're going to kind of wrap up our, our sort of two or next, next episode, I should mm-hmm. say. Yeah. We're going to wrap up our Kevin Smith two-parter um, with, with talking about mall rats. What do you, what do you, what do you think about that, John? I think it's a great idea. I can't wait to get into it. I mean, this is the stuff you and I have been BSing about for the last 10 years. Now yeah. we're just doing it on microphone. Yeah. So now mall rats will be interesting though, because it is a marked departure from clerks. And I think it, it, I got a lot to say. So yeah. <laughs> well, it's cool in the story too, one. because just, just to set it up for you folks as we, as we go out. So based off the success of, um, clerks, Kevin gets a big picture deal at a major label and goes and makes mall rats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, I think somebody's review famously, I'm paraphrasing, but said um, if anybody offered a, um, a class in independent film, um, mall rats should be at the heart of the curriculum. Like what to not make as your follow-up. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I mean, critics, I, 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 critics didn't like it. We'll critics say. didn't like it, but it is it is a special place in my heart. So we will that, talk about that next. Hey, that doesn't mean that we didn't like it or that tons of people didn't. But exactly. Thanks, everybody. This has been the first episode of Yelling in My Ear. I'm Dan Napoli. I'm John Battistini. Sasha. 
Sasha. I didn't know if leave. I was supposed to say that. <laughs> of course you're, part, of course you're, you're part, of part of the team. <laughs> We're leaving that over for you. Thanks, okay. everybody. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Bye, everybody. A Hoda Media Production.